morning, everybody. Welcome to Branding Bud Live, the live stream that's 100% THC, 0% WTF. Every week, we bring business people to talk about the business of cannabis. I'm David Palaszczuk, the founder of the Branding Bud Consulting Group, the author of Branding Bud, the commercialization of cannabis, the first book on cannabis branding. And I'm joined by my best cannabis friend, uh, Adriana Heeman. She's the director of marketing at Green Meadows. And uh, always a pleasure to chat with her. And welcome, Adriana. Thank you, David. Your yeah. intro was so smooth today. It was basically absolutely perfect, except you said good morning and it's afternoon for me here in Massachusetts. <laughs> you are so right. Well, I guess I'm on the West Coast. So good afternoon, Adriana. Thank you. Yeah, I'm here in Southbridge in this beautiful hotel room. Uh, I really wanted to do the broadcast from either the cultivation room uh, of Green Meadows or from the retail floor. So there'd be like some activity, but it was just a little bit too noisy, so I decided to dip out for a quick second to hang out with my LinkedIn friends and my BCF, David Palaszczuk. <laughs> well, thank you for doing so. I am super excited. We've got a really great show today. Um, I feel like it's Sullivan when I say that. we got a really great show, David, <laughs> myself when I say that. But uh, some of the topics we're going to be covering today with Amy Dennison uh, she's the co-founder of the Cannabis Media Council, and we're going to be talking about why the need for the Cannab Cannabis Media Council, and what are the seven pillars to a successful uh, cannabis advertising campaign, and even further, which mainstream media outlets are out there and willing to work with cannabis brands. So, um, so this is going to be super enlightening, uh, both on the educational front and um, and really where we all need to move to educate folks about cannabis in the right way. So I am very excited to chat with Amy today. Me too. I can tell our audience is excited too. We have some people saying hi in the chat. You all know the deal. Say hi, introduce yourself. Um, we see Nick in there. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nicole from Chicago. Ed Sullivan-esque in there, David, says Nick. Um, hello from Kiralee from Bob. Welcome, everybody. Yeah. We're super excited. All right, shall we bring out Amy? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, hey. Amy, welcome. Hello, hello, thanks for having me. This is so awesome to be talking to you. Uh, tell us about yourself. Tell us what you're passionate about. Thank you, and thanks for the opportunity, David and Adriana. I'm so thrilled to be joining with you and so many people in the audience. I see you, hello, Jordan, yo-yo, right back at you. Uh, thank you for all you do. Uh, to uplift the cannabis conversation. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to share you know, what drives me and, and what's uh, truly at the heart of, of my work uh, and you know, why I've created the Cannabis Media Council. And truly the beating heart of, of my life is that I'm a pleasure activist, which means I advocate uh, for people to find ways, discover ways, um, create ways of enjoying their life. In new in new and and exciting ways in many in many capacities that sometimes uh, are censored or stigmaed, uh, and so it's driven me into uh, careers in the arts, uh, recently in cannabis, um, but also uh, technology um, over the last twenty years as it's evolved uh, to help connect us um, not only to build communities but also markets and brands, and so really truly, uh, what drives me and what gets me absolutely fired up is helping people discover ways uh, to enjoy their life, to improve their life. Very well said, we like that. Who, who can argue with any of, any of that? That's an activism I can stand behind, 100%. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, let's jump in. Tell us about the Cannabis Media Council and tell us why it exists. Absolutely. The Cannabis Media Council came about uh, two years ago. It is, I co-founded with Joyce Sonali, uh, who is an incredible force uh, in California and has seeded some of the most incredible businesses that we see operational today. And it really came around this idea because I, at the time, was uh, starting to leave my role as a marketing uh, executive for Curaleaf and venturing out to create my own ad agency, Fino. And Fino, at the time, served to take a holistic approach uh, to going to market within the paid media space, the advertising space, because I did see that the part of the marketing mix that was the most underserved at the time is, is advertising. And it's something that's important. Uh, and we can talk a little bit more about why advertising is so important. But at the, at the, uh, at the start of it was this idea that we have all of these brands and businesses going to market and from Joyce's perspective, uh, requesting funding uh, to build the market within their own within their own territories. And there's only so far that individual brands can go alone. And there's only so far that a marketing budget, uh, which I have to say, um, is still woefully underfunded in the marketing sector. Uh, and we understand why that is, um, but it doesn't change the fact that marketing is underfunded in the cannabis space. And then we have individual brands uh, trying to undo decades of misinformation and stigma. And what we needed was a national campaign, a national perspective uh, to really uplift the category as a whole. And so the short answer uh, when Joyce asked me, can we do a national ad campaign was yes. The longer answer is how do we create uh, the most impact we can, which became the Cannabis Media Council, which is at its core a trade group. And right now we have almost 300 members uh, who have joined and membership is free with high values uh, for those who are operating within the space right now, who've raised their hands to say, we need a tide to lift all these boats. And we would love to see it done uh, through uh, we would love to see it done through national ad campaigns uh, that drive category consideration so that we can address, um, we can grow the addressable market. Mm -hmm. and um, looking at uh, you know, what cannabis is, it's always good to anchor in what are we talking about? And at the current state, yes, we are talking about a plant. We are talking about medicine. We're talking about a lifestyle. We're talking about CPGs. Um, and we're still talking about a federal schedule one drug. Mm -hmm. That's a really helpful way to categorize what we're talking about, Amy. And I totally feel the struggle too, as someone who is out here marketing a brand and it's impossible to do things like have a social media presence without getting shut down and sort of feeling like your brand is under attack just because of what we do. When if people really understood, they would know that we're actually advocating for people with disabilities or medical needs and all these things that are actually like so beneficial so it's it's challenging for sure i feel i feel it so the slide that we're looking at uh right now is i think it was an excerpt from something that your organization released called the full spectrum report can you talk about that a little bit definitely so the full spectrum report guidelines for responsible cannabis advertising is the first of its kind to really set down uh, a foundation for what we hope to see uh, through creative campaigns. 
But before we created Full Spectrum, it was really important that the Cannabis Media Council uh, led by example. And so the very first thing we did was release our first category campaign called I'm High Right Now. Um, please in the chat, raise your hand if you've seen it, um, or you can see it at imhighrightnow.com. And the idea was to put out a campaign that we felt embodied uh, the best practices. And we're so proud. One of our founding board members, Allison Disney, and also the creative team at Sister Mercy, who does incredible branding and marketing work, um, came back with this campaign. Uh, and so we focused on our elders. We focused on um, how do we talk about living a, a thriving life um, as we age. Um, and so, so much of uh, the conversation, you know, can get very heavy and we wanted to have, you know, just for one, uh, one voice out in the market, uh, some levity uh, around consuming this product. And we also thought it was important to showcase and really highlight our elders because oftentimes they are overlooked in advertising and marketing. And they not only are primary consumers, um, but also they uh, are influential within their families and within their communities. And so if grandma and auntie uh, are okay with consuming cannabis, it has a wonderful halo effect uh, for the family. And so we released, we released the I'm High Right Now campaign um, at the end of January. And then we created the full spectrum report uh, to be a resource um, that not only are we leading by example and showing that it absolutely can be done, but then we were creating a resource that uh, right now that we're providing for free, um, both for brand advertisers as well as for media outlets and publishers who are considering or want to bring in the cannabis sector uh, for their paid programs and their inventory. I want to call out a comment from Michael who said, I really like how the campaign starts to create social norms out of the senior who are driving the market, very similar to iPhone. Interesting take on that. Thanks for your comment, Michael. Yeah, interesting. And I think, you know, living by example, showing people how it's done is really um, you know, super important. And of course, we, we both know Allison, well, we all know Allison Disney, so that's, that's wonderful that she's uh, part of it and able to leverage her skills into it as well. Um, you know, I know that um, uh, in the full spectrum report and, and across some of the things that you put out, um, you know, there are seven pillars of, of responsible cannabis advertising. Would you mind just touching upon those? Sure. Thanks for the opportunity to share. And we go in depth. Uh, for all seven of these, um, but for the the sake of this conversation, I'll do you know just a bit of a highlight. Um, is that the very first one is that advertising uh, serves to help drive access and awareness for legal and compliant uh, businesses. And so, how do we help grow the addressable market, but then also lead to the regulated businesses? The second one is that the the add in and of itself entirely, um, whatever form it takes, is that it meets all regulatory guidelines um, within the municipalities up to the state level, right? So it's, it's very important that we are uh, very focused in on each of the regulations um, for where they're at and work with partners who are, are aware of them. The second or third, excuse me, uh, pillar is that we play the most responsible uh, uh, attention to not 
advertising to children. Uh, and I think that this has been played out in you know, many different scenarios, in many sectors, that it does not serve you uh, to advertise to children. And we're happy to you know, dig into that more. But then also our fourth is that in our medical use states, that we develop advertising, creative, and targeting that showcases patients with dignity and is you know, also HIPAA compliant uh, and really speaks to this as a medicine. But then in, 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 in states that are welcoming to adult use consumption, that they also represent uh, the diverse cultures, experiences um, that have for generations and now continue to create culture um, in connection to this plan. And so really to showcase that, represent it, and be the ad that you wanna see in the world in that way. The uh, sixth is that we use the absolute best practices in creative and communications, in language, to elevate this industry. That while we do have advertising to serve individual business aims and goals, right now, as we move from a movement into an industry, each, each brand is responsible um, for collective growth um, and to be and to and to keep an eye on that we're all being individually watched, but we're reflecting on the whole. And so how do we use the absolute best practices um, to be the most creative, the most compliant, um, the most engaging that we can be? And then lastly, the seventh pillar is that advertising be green. And we mean that in the most comprehensive sense, uh, that not only um, within you know, regulatory environments are we you know, doing this to be the most environmentally conscious, um, really looking at uh, sustainability in our practices for how we advertise, what type of channels, what kind of media we use, but then also green as in it drives money ROI um, and so that we can keep these businesses growing. Uh, and so the seven pillars really do serve as recommendations um, to help inspire um, and to help set some good guidelines, not only for brands that are entering into a paid media investment, then also publishers who are considering welcoming the cannabis sector uh, to, uh, to their media, but then also um, for our regulatory bodies um, that are setting uh, rules and regulations around this, that there may be a reference point for them to consider um, how they might write some um, laws uh, as um, to best serve these businesses that they're welcoming uh, to participate in the market. You know, the thing the thing that strikes me, and Adriana and I talk about this weekly, um, is really the cannabis crossover, right? Is that there are best practices out in the world that we, the people in the industry, should be leveraging. And yet the cannabis industry, um, a bubble unto itself, always seems to want to develop its own um, products or services or, or best practices. And, and I think this is such a clear example of, um, of how we need to look outward as the industry and look at the best practices across um, multi-dimensions and, and leverage those best practices. So one, we're not reinventing new things, but rather leveraging things that are already accepted you know, in the real world that, that we can then up the game and better ourselves and take care of ourselves. I think I think you make a great point that it's not only the individual brands, but it's the collective community as a whole that's going to to really make something for ourselves. It's really important. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you, David. And, and I think that some of the, I guess, feelings about being sort of on the outskirts and having to reinvent things come from that question of, of having to maintain compliance. I mean, we know that like the liquor industry and the tobacco industry, they're heavy, heavily regulated also. Um, but there is something unique about being like on the front lines, brand new industry, heavily regulated, having to jump through all these hoops, having a state by state system. Um, so I'm wondering maybe, Amy, if you can talk a little bit about that, like how does your organization help people um, bridge the gap between like following the rules and being completely creative and thinking outside the box? Right on. It is true. Cannabis attracts, uh, I think, entrepreneurial and also, you know, a real, uh, it has an independent spirit. Uh, but then also we've been relegated to having to create our own uh, systems and structures um, because we're being highly censored um, by you name it. I don't have to go into it for the people. I, I see so many uh, people in the chat who have joined us today uh, that are experiencing this pain that, I mean, payment processors, is it banking, like, I mean, all of it, right? Just, I mean, just like it's it, ad nauseum, like how much exists in the world um, that doesn't work with the cannabis sector. And so in ways, we've also been forced to have to build our own programs uh, and our own infrastructure in order to in order to stand up business. And so I do think that where we can bridge, it's wise to do so where we can, you know, use businesses that are starting to either um, welcome the sector um, or look for ways to uh, to help um, uh, start moving their legal teams or their um, their uh, product teams into integrating the sector. But I do think that something is important um, for the cannabis sector is that while we do have our own sets of rules, we have our own spirit. Uh, yes, exactly as you said, it's still state by state. Um, we have also been, you know, uh, uh, unable to access uh, things that, you know, exist for other businesses. We're still responsible uh, to learn. Um, and take, as you said, David, best practices um, from other industries. So we look at, you know, how can we how can we do better than than big pharma um, and avoid, you know, some of the truly horrific marketing trauma and devastation that the opioid uh, crisis has caused. Right. So how do we learn from that? How do we learn from tobacco advertising um, that needed to evolve in its own ways. Like why repeat uh, decades of learning that we can just look at uh, now? Uh, same, you know, we mentioned the alcohol industry, looking at how discus uh, was formed in order to put out uh, responsible and compliant ways to help integrate um, spirits and alcohol uh, in a good way um, into the mainstream media. And so I think that there is there's wonderful ways that we can uh, have our ma and maintain our independent spirit, bridge where we can, but then also learn. Um, and so we don't repeat some of the same mistakes, either in our enthusiasm um, or, you know, just in in our in our in having blind spots um, from not learning from, you know, other other uh, industries and sectors. Uh, one of our founding board members, Rachel Boykins, who is uh, absolutely foundational in uh, creating the full spectrum guidelines. Uh, she's a marketing executive in cannabis, um, but also comes from uh, uh, 
alcohol and spirits and also um, some of the quick service restaurants that are also you know, very, very cognizant of how they communicate to children uh, was part of building this. And she's calling this report like low key. This is um, our guidelines for responsible cannabis advertising slash adulting. Um, so this is us adulting as as marketers and advertising. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So what what are what are some mainstream outlets that are willing to work with cannabis? That's always the question, right? Like, where can we go to showcase our creativity and our awesome products? Yes, it's a great question, and they, I do spend, I would say, a big part of my day uh, communicating that you can advertise with mainstream media partners, uh, and. And you don't have to um, try to do lots of workarounds with with advertising partners uh, that don't accept the category yet. I do think it's something that's really important that we're expending a lot of energy um, and and subjecting ourselves to a lot of risk if we're advertising on platforms that have explicitly said they are closed to this sector. So I think the first thing is to take a breather. I understand that people want to be, you know, on properties that don't yet exist. I understand why, as coming from traditional media and advertising, uh, that they can be very effective. Um, but there are so many uh, media partners, not only within the cannabis space. And so I absolutely don't want to sleep on saying the incredible cannabis publishers that have existed and continue to create incredible content uh, for cannabis consumers, uh, that they are they need our support, they welcome our advertising dollars, they can be beautifully uh, effective within markets that they serve of reaching cannabis consumers. In terms of mainstream, uh, there are a number of mainstream publishers uh, that are open to the cannabis sector that are included in full spectrum. And they're included not only in the, the stellar examples that the Cannabis Media Council Leadership Board um, has put forward as some of their favorites, um, whether that's out front as an out of home. Um, there's also, you know, there's, uh, there's also the Edibles magazine, which I think is a fantastic uh, magazine and publication that really connects with farm to table. Uh, communities. Uh, our lead media partner, uh, Hearst, um, is the largest uh, media company that accepts cannabis advertising. And they partnered with us um, for uh, not only the launch of the Cannabis Media Council, uh, but also because they have their own history um, that they would like to uh, atone for. Um, and they acknowledge it, um, but then also want to move forward with and really being on the right side of history um, not only in, in the messages that they put out, um, but also in the business opportunity that they, of course, see. And so take a look at the full spectrum uh, report to see many, many uh, examples of, of mainstream advertisers that accept. But also, uh, I really love the work that the Clio Awards um, are putting out and showing you know, absolutely best class. Um, of creative and then also the media publishers in which where they're showing up. And so whether it's the full spectrum report or really keeping close tabs on the, um, the Cannabis Clio Awards and the, the people that they are spotlighting in their Muse uh, newsletter is a, is a wonderful source um, for creativity, compliance, and also publishers that are welcoming the sector. That's awesome. That sounds like a really good resource. Um, I've I looked through the full spectrum report, and I'm definitely going to keep that 
keep that list of preferred uh, preferred vendors handy for, for future planning. Um, so Amy, if you'll humor us for a little bit, we like to do this on every episode and, and bring the audience in and help them uh, share some stats in a, in a fun, interactive way. So we're going to throw up on the screen our stat of the week. There's a couple of them. The first one is from our friends at Brightfield who have reams and reams of utterly fascinating data about what consumers are looking for, how they discover products. Um, and they've been on my mind a lot ever since your comment a minute ago about how people who are seniors are very influential in, in their circle. And this is something that I pulled out of Brightfield previously, is that uh, people who are 55 plus tend to rely really heavily on recommendations from their friends. So they have, it's almost like a little ecosystem of micro influencers. And just wanted to, to mention that because that your comment reminded me of it. But anyway, back to Canaquiz. Um, consumer demand for which desired effect increased the most from Q1 2020 to Q1 2023? A, connectedness, B, emotional relief, C, creativity, or D, energy? Uh, and I should mention, these are just four of many desired effects. I think they have 30 plus. Uh, they survey 5,000 consumers, sometimes more every quarter. So. It's always fresh data coming in and it's cool to like compare from where we were three years ago to where we are now. We know that it's been such a dramatic change um, in the way consumers are thinking about cannabis and the way they're seeking out uh, desired effects. So yeah, take your guess, four options. And Nick gets a connectedness. Right. And as I always say, audience, it's your chance to shine. Mm-hmm. It would not be the same show if you didn't say that, David. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a tattoo, but maybe I should get a tattoo uh, that says audience oh, your chance to shine. I can see it with a big star and a moon. Be awesome. <laughs> Perhaps. I'll give I thought we had a consensus, but then I see a, a, a vote for option B. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting, right? Because if we think about the time frame of this, like connectedness, you know, makes so much sense. Like we're like, you know, people are, you know, it's been called an epidemic of loneliness. Um, at this point, right? So I totally see connectedness, creativity. I mean, I think cannabis has always been connected with creativity. So I don't know about increase, right? And and so, but but yeah, and energy, like I'm personally one of those people that loves to consume a microdose um, before engaging in, you know, swimming or any type of like you're running, any type of exercise, not only to like kind of get out of my head and into my body, um, but energy. I don't emotional relief. I think that's interesting. Um, just thinking about the time frame and mm -hmm. the way that we're starting to have some we're starting to have some real conversations around, you know, how these uh, products can be used for sleep, for you know, to help relieve anxiety. Um, so yeah, those are all really interesting. You know, and yeah. and, and I think. Amy, you say something which is really important, you know, during the pandemic or coming out of the pandemic, again, people did have a need for, you know, to be connected. Um, and I think, quite frankly, um, and it seems to be percolating all around us. I think, I think, I think most people are overwhelmed today. Um, you know, whether it's, whether it's the violence we hear about every day, or I could go down a list, but we all seem to be overwhelmed. So I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, as Nick just said, you, we, we only get to choose one, but but I'm thinking connectedness and emotional relief 
relative to the time that these numbers came through are, are I think we're all, we're all seeking those things. We could all use a lot of all of these things. <laughs> yes, all of the above. Yeah, all of the above. <laughs> Bring it on. We want it all. Um, and the answer is D, creativity. Uh, but if you look at this chart, you can really see that there was a pretty significant uptick in, in the desired effects for all of these. Uh, and, and you can kind of see that in the way these uh, cannabis products are being marketed too. You'll start to see more and more brands talking about the effects versus the formulations or versus the, the composition or the strains or the THC content. I know that we still sometimes have an over-reliance on THC content, but I see that it's starting to shift a little bit. Um, and I think that this is this is part of that story. Yeah. You know, um, Amy, I, we, we've spoke about platforms a bit. We've spoke about um, publishers a bit. What about influencers? And and how how does how do brands engage with influencers, leveraging the seven pillars and and keeping the influencers in check as well? It's such an important channel or program um, for brands and businesses within the, the cannabis space. Uh, influencer marketing, you know, also could be called testimonials, uh, sponsored content, um, endorsements. And we've seen that so much of the cannabis industry, uh, as we transition from movement to industry, is still being driven by word of mouth. It's by one person saying to another person, this helped me, like, you know, let go of the stigma, let go of everything you think you know about this plant and just try it. Um, and I do think that word of mouth or that individual recommendation from trusted sources is really, really important um, for cannabis brands. And also, Adriana, to your earlier point, um, that it's difficult to be on social media um, and it's difficult to do this. But there are guidelines that we need to learn from the FTC um, and from other brands uh, that we need to engage with as cannabis advertisers when we do uh, pay for influence or pay for uh, for these testimonials. And so first and foremost, the reason why we do this um, beyond that it's a very effective way uh, to communicate uh, value of products or brands um, and associate yourself you know, within circles is that influencer marketing and advertising just like all um, paid activations, is to reach people that don't know that they don't know that they don't know you yet. It's a, it's a growth strategy. Um, and so when you're engaging with influencers, what you're hoping to do is connect into their community and into their networks um, to drive awareness and engagement with your, uh, with your brand, your products and your properties. And the reason why you do this is, is one, that it is a proven effective strategy um, for, for driving you know, awareness and, and, um, and affinities for your brands. And in order to do this compliantly uh, is, is already set out um, with best practices um, from the FTC. And so we're so happy that Shabnan Malik, she is a legal absolute goddess, um, which I, you know, I just, it truly, like, I don't usually associate um, lawyers um, with the celestial, um, but truly, like, Shabnan Malik came to us 
um, you know, who has extensive uh, legal guidance um, for, you know, major companies, PMC, um, also advises uh, 1906, which is one of the Cannabis Media Council uh, members, um, but also has, you know, directly looking, is directly looking at how do you engage um, with uh, paid media in a compliant way and notably with influencers and absolute, you know, just gem of a treasure trove uh, provided um, a sample contract. Um, for advertisers who download this report, there's a link within it um, that you can access that it's a template um, for, you know, ways that brands can think about uh, not only engaging, you know, contractually uh, with an influencer or with a, with a, you know, say, you know, this incredible group has a newsletter that they send out and you can sponsor content in that newsletter. How do you do so that you set out solid expectations um, for what that influencer is going to say, um, definitely hold on to final review um, because it's it's really important that brands not only control their messages, um, but also make sure that they are 100% within uh, their regulations and, and guidelines within what they need to do as a brand, but then also um, have an expectation of what that influencer is going to deliver on what platforms and the expected you know, uh, impact and ROI of, of those uh, messages. Uh, and so I think it's important that we look at influencer marketing, um, whether that includes celebrities um, or micro-influencers who have incredible reach um, within their own very specific uh, topics, um, that we engage them you know, with, a, with professionalism and with contractual understanding um, so that we make sure that everybody stays uh, compliant because ultimately the advertiser and the brand will be held responsible for whatever uh, the influencer says. Really good point. And we can see many examples of both influencers and celebrities, celebrities who are both celebrities and influencers going off, off the rails. So we don't want to avoid that for sure. You mentioned um, micro influencers a second ago and that got me thinking about the, uh, you know, people that, that maybe have a smaller audience, have an incentive to work with brands from all different industries, but for larger uh, media companies or advertising outlets, they might not have as much of an incentive because they have companies from all these other industries coming to them and, and buying ad space. So what is the business case for mainstream uh, platforms to want to let cannabis companies in and, and use them as a, as a resource? Certainly. The, the number, there's three major things that I think publishers you know, really struggle with. Um, one is they're, they're nervous about verifying you know, which brands are legit, quite honestly. Um, they're not experts in cannabis. And so uh, they also understand that there's you know, a lot of different actors within the space. And so it is, a, it is something that you know, the Cannabis Media Council and other trade organizations you know, provide is this verification that the business that's coming to you um, is is doing their absolute best to be on the right legal side of history, right? The second thing is that they're worried about um, brands, uh, their other current advertisers, either feeling threatened um, or upset um, that they might be sitting next to a, a cannabis brand. Um, and so how do we equip them um, with the arguments or with the business case um, that they want to uplift this category uh, for a revenue stream, um, just to be you know, very frank about it, um, but also uh, because their audiences are already open to it. 
And so publishers are serving their readers and their audiences uh, and delivering content to them that's relevant and authentic. And so they not only for revenue, but also to honor the, the, uh, the lifestyle and the perspectives and the desires of their readers. And then the, the last part um, to that point is that the readers, uh, one, we've, we've spoken that the majority of Americans are open to cannabis and you know, are interested or, and at least curious about you know, where they can learn more about it or access it um, in, their, in their local markets, is that most of these publishers that are considering taking on cannabis as advertisers are already covering it in editorial. Um, they're already writing about it. And so uh, their audience already expects this from them. And so why not make money? Why not help support their editorial efforts through the business side of advertising um, since their audience is already open to it? Yeah, it, it totally makes sense. <clears throat> you know, and along those lines, just to call out something too, Michael uh, asked, are there any industry efforts or trends around information uh, design standards and inclusion? I would say, <clears throat> honestly, um, uh, the full spectrum report is probably the best place to start, Michael, just to throw that out there. I think there's some interesting things in there. And, and I think it's the beginning of, of, um, of what we need to see more of. Um, so just to throw that out there. As always, we do two audience participations. So we're going to jump into our second one as, uh, as we're moving through the show. You know, we spoke about the platforms. We spoke about <clears throat> um, publishers. So let's talk about now quickly through our quiz. where are cannabis consumers more likely to find um, information? So here we go. Cannabis consumers are most likely to follow which media source on Twitter and Instagram? Is it uh, A, National Geographic, B, CNN, C, The New York Times, or D, the BBC, British Broadcasting? I'm going to add in follow on threads because, I mean, I just signed up for threads today. So I'm fascinated um, to see that adoption. Um, this is interesting and really thinking about cannabis consumers um, and following like you know, whether it's, I mean, all of these publications have a global perspective, um, but the difference, that's interesting. It's mm -hmm. an interesting group. I should mention too that this is not from survey data, but it is also from our friends at Brightfield. They actually do uh, social media tracking on some of the people who participate in their research studies. So they have access not only to their behaviors on social media, but also the sentiment of things that they're posting and sharing. So that's really helpful too, because you get sort of a slice of their psychological reality um, through this cannabis research. So it really does paint a broad picture of what these types of, of consumers are experiencing and, and doing online. I love um, that C is coming through in the chat. Uh, I mean, I am usually in New York City. Uh, right now I'm traveling in Mexico City. Um, but I mean, I love the New York Times. I, I love seeing that come through strong. Um, and also the new beat reporter. Oh, I'm blanking on her name. Can anyone help me? Um, at the New York Times, I love that they've hired um, a specific um, editorial. It's, I mean, there's been so much work also to help educate reporters um, on this topic, uh, notably at the New York Times. Ooh, I wish I knew so I could throw it out there and look smart. <laughs> I know, PR professionals in the audience. That's right. 
Well, it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, with New York coming online, you know, and, and the New York Times being what it is. But um, it seems to be that, you know, certainly no one's talking about the BBC here or perhaps maybe even National Geographic. But uh, why don't we jump to the answer? The answer is, here we go, CNN. Cannabis consumers are twice as likely to follow CNN on social media compared to non-cannabis consumers. That's interesting. I would not have, uh, I would not have guessed that. But that comes from, again, our great friends over at Brightfield who help us with all sorts of data and information uh, on a weekly basis. So uh, CNN, it is. That's awesome. And Michael, thank you. Yes, Ashley Southall at the New York Times and Michael Kaufman, Clio Awards. Yes, thank you for your leadership and also coming in clutch here. Appreciate you. Oh, this is perfect. We were just talking about the Clio Awards earlier. And I was going to throw out a shout out to Michael. So I'm glad he's with us today. Thanks for joining us. And, and, you know, just quickly on that note, that was, uh, that was an important moment, too, at the Clio Awards when the Cannabis Media Council came out, not only, um, not only you know, as an introduction, but also came out with Hearst. And, and that said a lot about what you were doing and, um, and a lot about their sentiments, too. So that's really important. Um, so before we say goodbye, uh, Amy, can you let people know where they can find a copy of Full Spectrum? Thank you for that. Yes, please, uh, please uh, take a look at cannabismediacouncil.com. Uh, not only are we under the guidelines section there, um, it is uh, free uh, for now, uh, but also worth noting uh, that we are a trade council. Um, we are in the process of applying for a federal 501c3, um, but for right now, we are set up as a nonprofit on the state level, and through a fiscal sponsor, we are able to take in tax-deductible donations. And so if this guide serves you and is of value to you, uh, we would be so grateful um, if you would also consider making it a tax deductible donation uh, to the council. There's very little that's tax deductible in cannabis, but we are. Um, and the entire council is donating their time. So both all three of the co-founders, all of our founding board, all of our advisors um, are donating their expertise um, and so we deeply appreciate you not only uh, learning from this incredibly valuable resource that we've put out, um, but if you can support our efforts, 100% of your donations go to building additional creative for the campaign I'm high right now, um, as well as deploying it uh, on media. Perfect. Amy, thank you so much, you know, not only for, for everything you do, right? Um, for everything you do, in the cannabis space, I think what you're what you're heading up and, and what you've co-founded is required. It's um, it's important, and, uh, and and I urge all of our listeners to to check out the full spectrum report and leverage those um, recommendations into their own brands uh, advertisements. It's really important for us all. Right on. The appreciation is so mutual, and also in response of you know where are good. Uh, best practices happening. I mean, right here, um, David and Adriana in Branding Bud and really looking at how do we uh, design, how do we create, um, how do we talk about uh, the industry that we want to see. And so right here um, is is a resource and a, and a shining example of one. And so thank you for all that you do. And also thank you for amplifying um, all of the Cannabis Media Council's goals and our campaigns and our resources. 
It's our pleasure. Thank you. And enjoy your the rest of your time in Mexico City. I guess we'll say buenos dias. <laughs> buenos dias. Hasta luego. That too. Thank you. Well, Adriana, I always call this the fastest 45 minutes of my of my week. Um, yeah. And it's always a pleasure to be here with you and, and all of our listeners and our guests. Um, we will be off next week because um, this guy is actually taking a, a vacation in New York City, and I can't wait to do that. But we. I will never thought I would see the day when you would take an actual vacation, David. I know. I took two weeks in Thailand, and all I did was meet with everybody in cannabis in Thailand. So, um, so this is my my real vacation, and I'm taking my son along with me just to uh, to keep me in check. Um, but that said, we will be back Thursday, July 20th, and we'll be chatting with. Um, Bob Patton, who's the founder of Green Meadows, which is a vertically integrated Massachusetts cannabis company. And we'll be chatting about veterans, cannabis, and trauma. And I'm super excited about that. I ran into Bob earlier today at the Green Meadows office, and he's very excited to join us. So it's going to be a great show. It's going to be Mark your calendars. And for those folks that um, have missed our previous episodes or want to hear more or listen to it again, you can always find us on the major podcast platforms, as you can see, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, Google, CastBox, and a whole bunch of others. Um, so we will uh, certainly promote our next show as we come out of uh, next week. Uh, we hope you'll join us then. And as always, don't forget Cannabis's Best Kept Secret at BrandingBud.com. Thank you, everybody, and have a great week. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you.